Hey, hey, it's Dr. Lulu. You might recognize my name and my voice from my old podcast, The Pride Corner, or my even older podcast, Suicide Pages. Well, I'm back, and this time I'm joined by a few friends. We are mama bears, and we truly don't give a fuck. You want to know why? Because we love, adore, support, and affirm our gender-diverse kids, and we want the world to know about it. So, welcome to the Moms for Trans Kids podcast, inspired by our beautiful, brave, and badass gender-creative kiddos. I'll see you inside. Welcome, welcome. Me llamo Doctora Lulu. The show is called Moms for Trans Kids Podcast. It's Sunday evening, and if you can hear my voice, give me a thumbs up because today you're going to be thumbsing up in all evening. I am so excited to bring to y'all two beautiful human beings that kind of sort of crept into my life in the last few weeks. One of them is more notorious than the other. Vicky has been present for almost, I don't know how many episodes now. Vicky is a mama bear extraordinaire. <laughs> she lives in North Carolina where I used to swim with the sharks. So Vicky is here with her beautiful baby, Grace. And let me tell you, we already have two people watching us from from, um, I think that's YouTube, three now from YouTube. So this is so good. If you can hear my voice, please type in the comment section. I can see every comment. Say hello, say hi, don't be shy. We're going to make sure that we engage you in the conversation. So before we go any further, let's welcome our guest to the show. First person to go is Vicky. Hey, Mama Bear. Hi, Dr. Lulu. <laughs> Vicky, tell us a little bit about you and why did you decide to come on this show during this time? Like well, I can't think of a better time to come on this show. Uh, just saying, um, I'm Vicki Fowler. I am a family medicine physician in North Carolina, and I have amazing children that teach me amazing things. And I happened upon Dr. Lulu who basically says that we need to listen to our children and they teach us and it just resonated. And here we are. I'm just thrilled to be here with my daughter, Grace. I wonder who is Tom Fowler. Well, that could be, that could be my brother. I wonder. I recognize the last name. Hi, Tom. Tom says I can hear you loud and clear. Hello, hello, hello. And then we have another repeat offender today. We have Kim and we have Susan. Hi, Susan from River Cabin in Texas Hill Country. Welcome, 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 everyone. So we're going to dive right into it. Who is Grace and why are they here? Hi, Grace. What's going on? You're muted. Oh, no. <laughs> muted. I could we could hear you. What's what happened? You gotta unmute. Oh no. I promise y'all it was working. She was talking during, about, okay. during the pretty, um and she's an IT expert, so this is all you know what happened. You know, it's probably you know when she got kicked out and came oh, back right. in. I don't know. But I, I heard her voice Are you I there? Mean, I was talking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hi, um, I'm Grace. I'm a student at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, I've lived in North Carolina my entire life. I've lived in Chapel Hill for the past 10 years. 
Um, I'm from the mountains originally, me and my mom both are. So I've had a very interesting experience of coming out as trans while living in Chapel Hill and then, you know, beginning to go to my hometown with that knowledge. And like, it's been a very interesting journey all around um, seeing the way I'm treated differently in different places and also seeing like the similarities in the way people respond to me being trans, like everywhere. Wow, this is going to be an amazing show. I mean, I can already tell we have people from North Kakalaki. And if you know me, you know, I used to live in North Carolina. North Carolina is not very trans friendly, but we have brave people coming today talking about how they are living authentically and there's nothing you can do about it. So before we take much time, I see six people watching. Please let us know who you are. Just say your name so I can give you your flowers while you can still smell them. My name is Dr. Lulu. The show is called Moms for Trans Kids podcast and I'm just more than happy more than happy to do the show every single Sunday at 6 p.m. Central. So please tell someone, tell one person about it. Everybody tell one person that before you know it, everyone will be watching the show. And so Vicky, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't really tell me why you specifically decided to come on the show today. I know uh, it's one thing to watch the show and interact from, from behind the screen, but what about showing your face today? Vicky, what's that about? Well, I, as I said, I can't think of a better time to be here. And as a um, mom of a transgender child, um, another child who's non-binary and um, basically an advocate for LGBT, LGBTQ individuals in this state of North Carolina, there are so many um, stories in the news, laws being passed, so much misunderstanding and misrepresentation of parents of transgender children, of transgender individuals. I just, I know, I know, I know that if I can reach people and talk with them authentically from my heart and explain how much I've learned from my daughter, Grace, um, that they too can hopefully see that so much of what's being said in the media is just not true. It's just not true. Thank you so much for going there with the, with the whole I, the whole aspect of parents being demonized as groomers, parents being demonized as bad people, parents being made to look like we said to our child, yeah, you you go ahead and be trans. You just, just be it, you know? I'm so happy because one of the things that I do, for those who don't know, who are just meeting for, for the first time, I am a pediatrician, but I'm also a life coach and I work with parents of LGBT kids. I have dual roles. One, one of the roles is I'm an advocate for the child because I was that queer child that told their dad when I was 16 that I liked boys and girls and my dad was like, oh, it's a phase. But I'm also a parent of a trans child. So I kind of sort of have been both people. And today the bigger work that I'm doing is helping organizations creative spaces for parents of queer kids because we overall are minorities at the workplace and sometimes even at home. So Vicky, tell me a little bit, what has been your experience with being a parent of a queer child at the, on the home front? How did the family accept you? How, how has your family been reacting to you? And I know you know my story, so I'll tell you my story if you tell me yours. How has your family been reacting to this whole identity that you have? Right? You know, it's so interesting. Um, I, if I flash back, eight years ago when this started. And then if you ask me today, 
I have a completely different answer. And I think it relates to the way we, what we reflect out into the world is what the world reflects back. So eight years ago, I reflected out into the world almost like apologies or I'm confused <laughs> or please help me understand this. There's this really crazy thing going on at my house. And so what was reflected back to me was like confusion. And so it was difficult. And but one thing was clear that my child, I had to be her advocate. Um, and so anytime where anyone Anytime I thought Grace was potentially an outside force was like going to bother her, hurt her, you know, cause some problem for her, I was immediately advocating. But then when I was speaking with maybe family or friends or colleagues, especially my colleagues seven or eight years ago, they were confused. And so many of them really didn't have words to support me. Some of them had words to go against what was happening in my house. But the ones that I love and the ones that have been with me throughout this whole thing were the people that basically said all the right things. Like it's almost as a parent, you can tell when someone's saying the right thing. And I always held on to the right messages and the right support and found our way. And Grace, of course, I mean, you know, Grace pretty much helped guide me there. So now I feel as if what's reflected back to me from individuals is similar to what I tell them. And that's why I'm here is I, I'm confident that if you could meet Grace, if you could spend time with her, if you could hang out with us, you would have such a different sense of what it means to be a mom of a transgender child or to be a transgender person. And um, that's why I'm here is just to and, and everything you're saying, when I listened a couple of weeks ago, the first time I actually listened to the podcast was two weeks ago. And everything that was said, Kim was here with her son. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. So that's sort of why I'm here. <laughs> that's true. I love that you brought up the dual role and almost the biphasic, I'm going to put that word in, biphasic nature of parents, where we try to show one face to our kids, or we hope that we're showing a brave face to our kids, but really inside we're dying. And so that brings me to grace, because one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is that moment when a child shares with their parent their true identity that moment what is it like and if you can hear my voice please type in the comment section share your thoughts i would like to hear what your thoughts are the very if you're a parent of a queer child if you're a queer person if you're a parent of a trans child how was that moment that second when your child told you how was that with you so let's start with grace so grace you find out that you're this person that is not in congruence with who your parents are telling you that you are. Mm -hmm. You find that out. First of all, if you may, tell us how, maybe how young were you when you realized you were different, if I might use that word. And then how young or how old were you when you said, you know what, I'm going to tell my kids this, my parents, excuse me, I'm going to tell my parents this. And then what was your emotion going into telling your parents that? Because I can't imagine that, and obviously I don't know, but I can't imagine that it was like, yeah, joy, you know. <laughs> So tell us, how was that moment when you first found out that this is this is who you are? And then kind of take us from that moment up until maybe even now. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I kind of had an interesting journey with coming out because um, I, I, had, I knew about trans people since the time I was like 11-ish, maybe 10 or 11 um, from just being online. 
but I never saw like a trans community I really related to um, in that time. And so that kind of put me back in realizing I was trans because I knew something was going on. I knew I had known for a long time that I felt differently about gender than most people. And I, and it took until after I kind of confessed to a friend <laughs> after she dared someone at a party to wear her skirt um, and someone else wouldn't do it. And I said, oh, I'll do it. Like I like basically, I basically um, was trying to like show off like how brave I was, but it was like the first time I had done that in public. And I confessed to my friend that it was not the first time I'd done that in private because I was, mm. you know, very interested in like, like girls clothes as a kid, because like I, and I didn't understand why, but I confessed to her that this was a, a thing about a thing in my life. And she told me about like being non-binary. And that was like kind of a revolution for me because it was showing me like there were multiple ways of being like a trans person, being a queer person. And I genuinely don't remember how long after that until I told my mom about that, but that would have happened sometime in around the September of 2014. So around that time, it began to, that was the first time I kind of knew I was queer. Um, I didn't know yet that I was a trans woman, but I knew I was queer. And I came out as gender fluid on Facebook on New Year's Day. I was like, I, I made this post where I was like, not many people can say that they met their New Year's resolution on the first day of the year, but I'm about to. Um, I posted at midnight <laughs> on Facebook while all my friends were at my house for a sleepover, all my friends in the mountains. So all my friends from, you know, Appalachia. Um, and so that was an interesting environment to come out in. I didn't, I, mom, do you remember if I told you in person before okay. this? Let me explain. Um, but you know what? But even before you go, even before you say that, I want yeah. to I want to ask a question because I want to always bring my my audience along. You mentioned a phrase that I know, and maybe some of us know, but you mentioned non-binary. For the sake of moving forward, mm -hmm. do you want to take a moment and explain to us what it means to be non-binary? And then we come back to Vicky. And thank you all so much. Thank you so much to Zoe, Hard, D-Knox, Susan, Tom Fowler, Kim. Thank you all so much for, for being here. Please interact with us. Let us know if you have any questions. I want to ask the basics because I want no one to leave here saying, wait, wait, what was that non-binary? Mm -hmm. There might be somebody watching this show today that's going to say, wait, that, that's me. So Grace. Yeah, that would be very cool. I've had people tell me that because of like a blog I've kept that they realized they were trans or they were reassured in being trans, which is really cool. Um, Cause they found my kind of gender diary if it, as it may be called. Um, but so non-binary is like people who don't identify as either a man or a woman. They kind of identify outside the gender binary because there's so many other forms, other ways of being outside of our society's kind of standards for like what a man is, what a woman is. And because those are very restrictive boxes. And of course you can be kind of gender non-conforming while still being a man or a woman, but some people truly don't identify with either category. And so they can be, so they're non-binary. There are some people who kind of identify as like non-binary and with a binary category, like they have a lean one way or the other. Um, I, at the time, the word my friend specifically introduced me to was gender fluid because I felt I had a sense of gender that seemed to change over time, I felt like some days I felt more masculine, some days I felt more feminine. Um, I ultimately realized that for me personally, that was just kind of the ebb and flow of like embracing my gender versus kind of suppressing it. 
but that means that, but there are people for whom that is their genuine experience and who they are inside. I love it because I was going to ask you what about gender, gender fluid. And I discovered after I went to Dallas for the Black Trans, Black Trans Something Coalition Conference, I discovered that I think I'm genderqueer, but definitely more identify more with, with being a woman. And I think mm -hmm. just for all intents and purposes, probably I'll just stick to that. But the way the lady explained to me, I said, wait, I think I'm genderqueer. Yeah, but this is the beauty of life and just the fact that we can all explore and there's nothing wrong with exploring. And if you find that it's, it's, it doesn't fit, then that's fine too. And so bringing us back to the question of the moment when you found out. We have a comment here from Kim. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the comment and then I'm going to let Vicky respond. So watching you tell your story to us, that is such a beautiful journey to share, Grace. By the way, I love your name. Thank you for being vocal for the trans community. I appreciate you both. This is coming from Kim. At this point, Kim is my sister. Okay. <laughs> so this is coming from Kim, my sister, fellow mama bear, who is unapologetically, literally Kim's house is like the queer home in their, on their, mm -hmm. in their street or in their neighborhood. All the queer kids just flock there. <laughs> so Kim is, Kim is, Kim has a T-shirt that we both have that says, um, we don't give a fuck. Yo, Kimmy, tap the name of the T-shirt. I forget the name. Something about, we don't give a fuck, ask us how, or something like, fuck the closet. It's, fuck the closet, ask us how, at the back. That's the T-shirt. Because we are like mama bears that we're not playing, okay? So, mm -hmm. so Kim is my sister. Kim, thank you so much for sharing that. So back to you, Vicky. Um, if you're just joining us, the show is called Moms for Trans Kids podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu, your beautiful hostess, and I'm joined today by Vicky and her daughter, Grace, who is a trans woman. And we're going to be talking to you today about that moment when your child first discovers that they're different, the journey to discovering what it is that they are, and then the moment when they tell their parent and what the parent does. So over to you, Vicky. How was that moment? Well, I'm going to tell you the Grace came out on Facebook and I did not have a Facebook account. So back in, <laughs> back in 2015, I, I was, forgot about that detail. I really did forget uh, about wait, that. Wait, 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 hold up. Yeah, yeah, hold up. Grace, I suspect you knew your mama didn't have, but hey. <laughs> I think I, at the time I did know my mom didn't have a Facebook at at this point in time, I have forgotten that I knew that. So, so anyway, yes, in, so January 1, 2015, just after the ball dropped, within about five <laughs> or ten minutes, I got a text message from my little brother, Andy, in Nashville. And um, he said, hey, sis, what's going on? And, you know, and, and use, you know, I'm not going to use Grace's dead name, but he said, hey, sis, what's going on? And I'm like, what? I write back, what? And he said, uh are you looking at this on Facebook? And then we like, we're talking like five or 10 minutes. Right? In He's in Nashville. I'm in Chapel Hill. Grace is in the mountains at a sleepover with like seven Appalachian mountain Ash County boys. And I'm like, what? Yeah, so, we played manhunt earlier in the night. Very yeah, manhunt. Running so, around in the woods Andy, for all night. I don't know. There's something up with Grace. You need to, you need to check this out. That's all I knew. And then, okay, so a lot kind of happened after that, but I had to learn what gender fluid was. Grace had done a one. Actually, Andy screenshotted Grace's Facebook post and sent them to me. So I read about gender fluid, and I was like, what? So um, 
I asked my hairdresser, I thought would understand. They had never heard of that either. So anyway, Grace had to educate me about gender fluid. And that seemed to fit for a while. And I think it's because we were going back and forth to the mountains and to Chapel Hill and the mountains and Chapel Hill. So every other weekend, Grace was presenting as male and then come back to Chapel Hill, present as female, kind of back and forth. Mostly, no, I, I still presented as masculine at school. I, oh yeah, that's right. I, that's I, right. I did. I didn't like pivot that until later. That's, okay, but so it started to feel very uncomfortable to do so. Um, we're we're going to fast forward. Yeah. So Grace went to kind of gender neutral kind of present. That's right. Wait a minute. Wait for it. I still did not get a Facebook account because I was slow learner. And in the August eighth of two thousand fifteen, while I was in Florida on vacation, and Grace was in the mountains of Ash, if I'm not mistaken, perhaps I was on the way to Nashville. So Andy, was, oh, Andy on. was involved in both of these stories. So Grace was on her way to see my brother in Nashville. And Grace posted on Facebook August 8th that she was trans. And I was in Florida and I didn't see the post till I came back. So I decided, number one, I needed a Facebook account. So if any of you check, I, I went on Facebook in like August of 2015, number one. Uh, number two, school was starting the next week. And this is the first conversation Grace and I had about her gender identity. It was Thursday or Friday. School was starting Monday or Tuesday. And I said to Grace, school starting next week. We need to go shopping for school clothes. Are you going to present as a girl or as male or female when you go to school next week? And Grace said, well, that depends. And I said, on what? Now, we were just driving down the road, like having a normal conversation. We were driving down the road. I said, on what? And Grace, without missing a beat, said, well, that depends on whether I'm going to be kicked out of the house or not. And I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I just, like, my heart yeah. just stopped. Like, I don't want, I, you know, I don't even want you to. No, I said, I said, I what? It needs to think in. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> of course, you're not going to be kicked out of the house. I, and actually, she didn't understand where I was going. I said, we need to go clothes shopping. And so we need to know where to shop. Yes, because if she had listened, she would have known that clothes shopping. Well, who knows? Well, who I knows? didn't read your I mind. Said, were, you, like, lead, were you clothes shopping for? Uh, I didn't lead with the clothes shopping. I said, Grace, yes. I, I said, this is how it went. I said, school starts next week. Are you going to present as male or female? And Grace said, I don't know. And it depends on, are you going to kick me out of the house? And I said, no, we need to go shopping. That's how the story went. We need to go shopping and we need to know what you're going to buy. And so that was the point where I understood that Grace was scared that she was not going to be. Yeah. I had, yeah, I had, I had started picking up some um, clothes from like friends from who gave me their old clothes. They didn't wear anymore from like thrift stores around town. Um, mm -hmm. So I had some things. Um, I'd been out with some friends like and femme over the summer and things. So I had started to kind of do that. Um, not on the daily yet, um, but I was kind of getting used to that. So my mom was like aware that that was a thing I was doing. Um, but it kind of, it was a very fraught time. I had kind of, I, I knew that I, at the age I was, couldn't make my own healthcare decisions yet. Right. Yes. And I was very determined. Like I, as soon as I knew I was trans, I was like, I know that as soon as I can, I want to start hormones. And I had determined that if I was going to be slowed down in that process, that I was going to try to get myself emancipated and so I could make my own healthcare decisions at 16. 
Um, I love it. I and love I think it. I would have done, like, I think I would have done it, but I think also that that kind of, it wasn't meant to be a threat. It was just how I felt. I kind of think that put the fear of God into my mom's heart. Well, you know, but you know, but you know, you know what I'm what I'm hearing here is I want people who are on the outside to hear how there is fear on both sides. So when people start saying parents are grooming their kids, kids are choosing to be trans, it's a decision. I want people to hear how potentially scary it is for both parties. Now. Grace, that was badass of you, but I'm not surprised because my own child, if, you, if anybody has heard my story, you know that I say, I always say that the day I said, look, this is not a joke, was when my kid said, mom, this is a journey that I'm prepared to go alone. So there's a certain amount of bravado, bravado that comes with just embracing your true self. It's like, you know what? Come what may, this is what it is. Is that what, am I on the right track, Grace, you think? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, so so Grace, you, so what happened by the luck of God and all things in the universe, Grace came out in August, um, lived in a cul-de-sac with the most wonderful human beings and on the first day of junior year, walked to the bus in a mini skirt that my, you know, that her grandma ironed for the day before. No lie, Granny lived with us, and my mom ironed the mini skirt. And I Grace think it might have been the one my friend. No, I hadn't. My friend actually ended up giving me the skirt from the party later on. Anyway, so she. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just loving your grandma from a distance. Okay. Oh, sure. I wish my mother. I wish my kid. Oh wow! If we yeah. should were horses, Granny. I wish my mother would even do that. Like this is so beautiful to to listen to. And your mom is from. From North Carolina, from Appalachia. She didn't yeah. understand, but she did what needed to be done, right? Exactly. She wanted to iron the clothes. So she didn't care the clothes had to be ironed, even if they were stuck. <laughs> she washed them. She ironed them. That was... And hung yeah. them on hangers for grace. Yeah. I should have been doing it at that age myself, but you know. Uh, you know, I, you know what? No, no judgment here. I am just... I'm, I'm, I'm wanting... There's too many faith. Oh, my God. So much. The fact that your grandmother, like you said, did what needed to be done. As you and I know, Vicky, parent to parent, one of our biggest stories that we tell is when I don't understand it. When I don't understand it, and because I don't understand it, um, don't be it. Here's the grandma like, you know what? I'll iron. Like, <laughs> what, 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 what do I need to do? This is such a beautiful story. Yeah, Thank you was. so much for, to Conrad Flick. Maybe they know you because they are saying that they love you both. Thank you so much. And that then Kim says, I'm loving this so hard. Kim is so <laughs> proud of you too. This is so beautiful. I didn't know, as y'all know, but if you love me on my show, you know, I never want to hear the stories before. I don't want to hear anything before. I want my reactions to be authentic and true. This is such a beautiful story. Such a beautiful story. Um, I have a lot of wishes. Um, I'm just going to leave them alone, but I have so many wishes right now. But I'm just, first of all, I want to say thank you so much, Vicky. Um, for being the parent that you were at that moment for your child, right? And then thank you so much, Grace, for being the fearless kid that you were at that moment. Now, there's this story about going to school and to dependence. <laughs> and who wants to tell the story? Who wants to bring us into that? Nikki, yes. you, you dodged that bullet. I wanted you to tell us your emotions that moment, but okay, we'll just move the on. The fun thing is that yeah. I, I came out on, on in face on Facebook in August, I started school probably later that month or the start of September, 
and I actually started a blog about my gen like a gender diary kind of for my mm-hmm. just for myself in mm-hmm. September of 2015 so I have like documentation like times and dates of when I was what I was thinking all the things I was doing in my transition from the end of 2015 onwards and it was it was very interesting going to school because I because I was presenting as a girl I had come out all my friends knew but I didn't know everyone at school obviously it was a very big school um for kind of well probably average for high school but fairly large um much more so than I would have experienced back home um and it was it was really interesting because a lot of people didn't know I was trans and I didn't quote unquote pass right like people I was either by a lot of people I was kind of you know you can tell when people are giving you weird looks right a lot of people I was looked down upon by um, my friends were all super supportive um, my friends are the ones who like helped me realize in the first place but I had a lot of trouble specifically around the bathroom um, teachers were very calm about using my uh, chosen name and everything that was no problem um, I even ultimately at the end of high school got them to call out they almost got my name right at graduation they didn't call out my legal name they almost got my name right at graduation um, and yeah so I remember one specific instance where at times when I was wearing a skirt it wasn't as bad because people were like that girl's got something going on but she's wearing a skirt so it's fine right um at times when I was trying to, I was dressing more androgynous not even because I intended to but because like girls wear jeans sometimes that's a normal thing in our culture but people would people would be like I literally have one time where I was in the bathroom stall and someone I was I think it was during class or even tried to go during class when no one be in there and someone came outside my stall and was like you can't be in here um and I had a time before that where I had used the bathroom everything was fine and later that day I was pulled out of class by the school resource officer, by a police officer, pulled me out of class and took me to the vice principal's office. My school had three vice principals. That's how, that's how many people were at my school. They had three, maybe four vice principals. So my vice principal, I was pulled out of class by a police officer because I was being arrested. They hadn't passed that law yet, but it was, it was incredibly unpleasant. Um, and I have, I have a whole tangent about cops and schools based off of that fact but that's another topic <laughs> um no but uh, so, but i but uh, even just to interrupt a little bit i love that you're able to still tap into all of the uh, all of the little little minutiae at this point because it's like somebody using the restroom is it mm-hmm. three minutes at the most is it a three minute activity yeah. It takes much longer when you're first out because you no, no, don't no, no, want no, anyone to see no, you coming in and out of the bathroom. So you no, no. What I mean, no, no. What I, I'm talking about. <laughs> what I mean is, is a mundane. It's a, it's a mundane thing. Mm-hmm. It's not right. a. It's not like it's it's two sec. The airplane bathroom, men and women and all genders use. Mm-hmm. So uh, people forget that the bathroom at home, male female, all genders use. All of a sudden, bathroom at school. You know, Vicky, do you have any idea, or maybe anybody watching, what is it with bathroom 
specifically that makes people get all up in arms because studies have shown that the number one people who are perpetrators in bathrooms are actually heterosexual white men, mm-hmm. middle-aged. What? Shocker. Oh, where, where is this? Where, where is this? Oh, my goodness. There I don't know been... anybody watching, Conrad, Kim, Tom, Zoe, anybody watching, can y'all please tell us where did this whole fear of bathrooms come from? Whose it's idea in, was it? It's interesting. There is actually, um, there, by my recollection, there have been more Congress people arrested for sexual harassment in bathrooms and there have been trans people total. <laughs> Thank you. I Thank believe you. it because there's this one guy, I forget his name, Patrick something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what Grace, the backdrop is, of course, now you have to understand Grace um, came out. Let's do the let's let's think about this uh, August junior year. And I had kind of got my times of the year messed up. It turned out that it was March of the next year that North Carolina passed House Bill 2. So the very first time that I got to experience mama bear, like true up mama bear, like mm-hmm. I may have to hurt someone here, was when <laughs> over Easter break, over spring break, of uh, the North Carolina General Assembly passed House Bill 2, and we sat that weekend wondering where Grace was going to go to the bathroom off if we went back to school on Monday or Tuesday or whatever day it was. By the end of that week, we were in a conference room with the Title IX people, the assistant principal and the principal, and Grace and I. You've st- and that's when things got really like mama bear. No, the- you still got it out of order, actually. Yeah. the um, That conference happened. After I was pulled out of the bathroom, after I was oh. pulled out of class by the officer, this was before HB2. Oh, oh was it? Um, well, 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 school- why were you pulled out of the class for using the bathroom? For using the bathroom. I didn't. So they weren't saying, they weren't saying, they didn't yet tell me that I couldn't use the bathroom, but they were basically like, oh. basically like we have to oh. tell you, they're basically like, we're going to tell you this happened. And I think I said something effective, like, if you're not telling oh. me to not use the bathroom, why do you need to tell me about this? Why? Why yeah. are you telling oh, me? You're um, right, Grace. So at the right. end of September, um, mm. they basically had realized that like there's gonna be a problem here. Mm. I there were other trans students at exactly. My I was just gonna say that that trans kids. It's not just you. But a lot of them had either had not supportive families or they just you know they just even if they like had taken like like cut the hair short, whatever, take an action that they could take before having the fa- family support to actually transition, they use the bathroom they were kind of assigned. They use the bathroom of the oh. gender they were assigned at birth. Yeah. I knew one trans guy who was a few years above me in my freshman year who, you know, for PE, he changed out in the office rather than in either of the locker rooms, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't have wanted to be him changing in the men's locker room. I barely wanted to be me changing in the men's locker room. And that was before I knew I was trans. Um, so. That's right. I forgot. So, so they basically realized like, this is going to be a problem. And they pulled us into a meeting. Um, and the Title IX coordinator, my vice principal, and the actual principal, um, who was not popular in my school, I'll say that. Uh, she was not a popular figure among the student body or the parents, or the teachers. Um, they basically sat down there like, we need to figure out what to do about your kid using the bathroom. We need to figure out how this is gonna look, what, how this is gonna be. And the principal basically posited, she's like, 
Grace can use the boys' bathroom when no one else is in there. The Title IX coordinators, his eyes got real wide. Like he saw the lawsuit coming and my mom looked like she was about to jump over the table and strangle someone. She used your dead name. Did she? She Okay. That's, that sounds about, that sounds about right. Actually. During the entire meeting, Grace was being referred to as she and Grace. And she used Grace's dead name, used the wrong pronoun and said that Grace would use the boys' bathroom. And I'm just going to say, that's the moment that mama bear switch yeah. flip. I mean, I remember I'm, it, it, I don't think, I think the, it would have taken longer for that switch to flip had I not been so basically directly attacked by the principal. Um, yeah. It she, flipped. it like broke her mind a little bit that someone would be so dismissive and rude to me. Um, I and- think I'm, I'm even more worried. I mean, that was 2015. Imagine what's happening now, because bringing us to the, mm. to the present moment, North Carolina has been in the news lately. Vicky, do you want to tell us about what, what, what crazy moronish behavior is going on? In, I mean, I'm in Texas. I can't even speak. But yeah. yes. <laughs> y'all live in North Carolina. So what is, the, oh, what is going on in North Carolina? Can I interject? I think it's important to talk about what happened with the legislation in 2016 as like kind mm-hmm. of a backdrop. Like they started to kind of try to push the envelope. Um, sorry, I don't know if you can hear the dog outside. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, in 2016... Over, like my mom said, over that Easter, they passed HB2, where basically legally in public facilities, because they can't regulate private businesses, you have to use the bathroom of the gender you're assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. I remember if language is like assigned at birth or on your birth certificate, one or the other. Um, for me, it didn't make a difference. Um, and the school, to its credit, I think largely inspired by the fact that I was causing problems for them. <laughs> over the summer, over the break, converted to, over the spring break, converted two of the teachers' bathrooms into single-stall generator bathrooms. Okay. Which was really good, except for the fact that there was two of them on one side of the school. The school had four buildings and a bunch of trailers outside that also had classes in them. And the teachers continued to use those bathrooms between classes. And so I would be late to classes because I could not, because there were two bathrooms in the entire school plus one in my Japanese class trailer in the morning that I could use the entire day. And that was it, unless I wanted to be harassed in the bathroom. So I would be late to class and my teachers to their, like my teacher was great, especially the one who had a class literally right next to that. She was really great. She was always like understanding if I was late because of that. And, but I just, I remember one time. So it was okay for the the kids to harass you. I, are you seeing this this trend? So right. it's, it's okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're supportive. We're supportive. But uh, we're going to let the kids harass you um, yeah. if they want to. Basically, yeah, no one. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they, they basically, instead of like actually standing up for the fact yes. that they were harassed, and they pushed the, they pushed, they, they came up with a solution that wasn't stopping, stopping harassment, you know? Yes. Um, and, and, and this is just. Um, this is why I'm, I'm still saying that your mom and your dad, I don't know much about your dad, but your, your home environment being safe was such a huge thing. Because if you're getting all these attacks at school, or it's okay for them to harass you, I mean, if they yeah. want to, just I don't go to the bathroom when nobody's there. I mean, let's I, walk around that. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I did. I did have understanding friends. My friends were great about everything. Um, and 
like like um you said with like kim's house being like the queer house where all the kids came that was my mom's house too <laughs> she always had my friends around like yeah, a solid like 75 percent of them were queer at least right? yeah i'm so happy to hear that <laughs> and they were all lactose intolerant what was that all about? oh wow oh my god okay kim chime in kim Attention, Kim, calling Kim, 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 come on in. Come and tell us, are the other kids in your house, are they also like to us? I want to read this, Kim. I, know, I want to read what Kim said. Isn't it crazy that the journey involves all the feelings from horrifying to exhilarating? Yes, it can be so beautiful at the same time. And I want parents, other parents who may or may not be as vocal as Kim, Vicky, and I to know that once you lean in, it gets easier and you learn so much. I think, I don't know how many times Vicky has said that she learns so much from grace. It's true. You learn, if you lean in, you learn a lot. Also, Kim said about bathrooms when I asked because my bathroom, said bathrooms are way more of an issue than they need to be. People need to just do their business and zip it. Zip it twice. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for just for just being part of this. If anybody has any comments, feel free to type your comments in. Oh my God, I'm getting fired up. I think that was when <laughs> we talked about um, the dead name using and yeah. then uh, and all of that that mess. I mean, it's just it's crazy. And Kim is giving you flowers here and saying yes, all of them, no lactose. <laughs> <laughs> What is up with that? That is weird. Great. Tell us more. You're, you're like, it's awful. <laughs> it was something else. I don't know. But you know, so I actually didn't know. I did the math once, and in the point. Okay, so so just so you know, I mean, I'm a physician, and I was trying to sort this all out, mm -hmm. and I had this patient who was an MD PhD and brilliant, and had done research on fetal. Um, development and the effects of the environment on fetal development. And he was happy to be my patient at the very same time in my life that my lovely daughter trans was my lovely daughter. Lovely Grace, daughter trans. Lovely daughter. Lovely daughter. Grace, <laughs> and I'm trans. So this wonderful patient, I didn't tell him about what I was going through, but I sent him an email and I asked him <laughs> if he thought there was something in the environment or something going on about all of these kids and this trans. So he, he sent me this lovely email and said, I'm going to drop a book off. And he dropped the book off at my office. And I'm not kidding. It is a book that was written many, many years ago. I should have known all about this when I went to medical school. Dr. Lulu, we should have been taught this in medical school. I wasn't taught about it because I thought recently that up to 80% of the world population is lactose intolerant. I don't know where you're going, but I saw that like last week. I saw that somewhere. But go ahead. So like one to 3% of all civilizations since beginning of time and since anybody is documented have been transgender. One to 3% of every society, every civilization has uh, names for people who are transgender. And I did the math and there were 1400 kids in Grace's school. And I decided that if 3% of them were trans, that meant two to 3%, that meant 28 to 42 kids were trans. And I'm like, yeah, they're all coming over to my house every week. And, <laughs> you know, I, I just feel like we have to understand, even if it's only 20 or 30 or kids, these are human beings and lives that are being held in the balance by these institutions. Yes. But they just want to be left. They just want to grow up and, and be their best selves and be their authentic selves. I, I remember telling my mom when we moved to Chapel Hill that everyone in my hometown knew me because she was a doctor. Everyone knew me. And I didn't know everyone. 
And I was grateful that when I came to Chapel Hill, that I was like, I said, I was like a ninja, like no one notices me. Um, I can just, I can just exist. And not everyone's like waving at me, people I don't know waving at me. But then it got very lonely not being noticed. And that's not to say I'm trans because I was tired of not being noticed. But what happened was I, the switch, like when that switch flipped, when I came out as trans, it was a lot of attention. There was a lot of focus and a lot of, a lot of positive focus, a lot of, a lot of positive reaction from my friends and a lot of negative reaction from kind of the broader institution yeah, yeah, and yeah, the community. Grace, Grace was no longer a ninja. And so uh, <laughs> I was causing problems for yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm going to say this. And it's easier to silence you than to correct yeah. the people who want to bully you. That's crazy. Go ahead, Vicky. So I think it's so important that I, what I say to like students, re, medical students and groups and, and, and residents and other physicians, you know, so much of the time we're worried that the child needs our advocacy. And maybe since the parents don't understand that mm -hmm. maybe we need to advocate for the child and leave the parents out, the parents can't be left out. The parents need to be brought in. And I think what Grace knows happened she was so fortunate that uh, Duke University opened the first adolescent gender clinic in the Southeast in the fall that she transitioned. So mm -hmm. they met Grace and they knew where Grace was. But when they met me, they knew where I was. Mm -hmm. They knew yes. that I wasn't there. And yes. as, a, as a child under the, 18, under the age of 18 in North Carolina, a parent has to agree for you to be on gender blockers, for you to be on mm -hmm. hormone treatment. Your parent has to agree. And I was not there. And Grace knows I wasn't there. And it took me a year to get there. And Grace, I know that was difficult for her, but she was patient enough with me and loved me enough to give me time to get there because I was fearful. I was just afraid. And I, as parents, we're afraid our child is going to do something. Is this going to be, maybe this is not the right choice. And the doctors knew, Grace knew who she was authentically, but I wasn't yet there. And so they told Grace, they told her, we'll get there. Your mom's not there yet. Because they met with us separately to see where we were. And yeah. I would have died without the transgender adolescent clinic staff. I would have never survived this transition because There's... I needed people to support me. And that's what I'm concerned about. It's going on in North Carolina. Now yes. there's, there's, there's people like grace out there right now and maybe their parents could get there or maybe they are there, but or maybe they're not, or, they, or maybe they'll never get there, especially if they're people of color. These individuals, I, I don't mind calling out my people yeah, because yeah, especially yeah. the people of color, yeah. we struggle so yeah. much more with, in all fairness, so many other traumas out there, mm -hmm. if you want to put that. And a lot of times the child who is genderqueer, LGBT, they're kind of relegated to like number 69 on the list of things. Like we've got racism, we've got like child, please just calm down over there. But then again, it is a matter of life and death. It is. It is. I would love to invite Kim and Vicky to come back another week. And let's talk about that, that point you just made, the lag between the lag. parents getting it and kid knowing what's happening and the danger at that delta. 
the danger that could happen at that point. Right. I would love to explore that. So Vicky and Kim, I'm going to, I'm going to put you all together in a, in a thing and we're going to do it. I, I really want to talk about that because these are where parents are. And unfortunately, because parents are the most influential people in the kids' lives, it is so important for the parents to come along and to not take too long. Not but take also, long. Yeah, but also we have states like Florida and Texas that are saying, well, you know what, parents, you get to, you get to decide when. And there are enough parents who will never budge for reasons best known to them, religion being one of them, culture being other, rhetoric from politics being other. So, so many things. And then to talk about the fact that the North Carolina state body vetoed or overturned a veto. What are your thoughts about that, Grace? It's, 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 it's really complicated. I'm not happy about it. Um, it's, <laughs> that's my most basic opinion is that I'm very much not happy about it. Um, it's genuinely kind of traumatic because I have met, I have talked to people who, I've talked to parents of kids who are affected by this. And even the parents that are there, they, now they can't do anything for their kids unless yes. they leave. They have to, they have to leave their homes if they want to give their kids what their kids need. And that's, I, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, it's so depressing because I remember even though, even despite all the harassment I received, even when the security guard told me to not use the girls bathroom anymore because I had quote boy parts <laughs> and after the principal gave me express permission because my mom almost killed her uh, with her, just with her eyes, she could have wow. killed her. Um, there was, no, <laughs> there was no physical violence involved. Um, so, I mean, I when I came out, I felt like things were getting better. Yes. I, they had just opened the clinic. My mom was sending me news articles about the clinic opening at Duke. And I knew at that time that at some point she would be on board with me starting blockers. We, yeah. we kind of, as soon as we had the chance, I kind of started blockers. Um, with me being one of the early patients there. Um, and I kind of had a feeling she would come around. Uh, so I did not get myself emancipated. Like I said, I was considering earlier. Um, but it's just horrible because I thought we were going in the right direction. And then in 2016, when I started hormones, around that time, I started hormones in August. August? I believe it was August... 16th something like that like right at the start of school because I told my mom that as my senior year I told my mom that I was not going to go to college until I've been on hormones for like a year <laughs> so she was like so she was like okay I want you to go to college so I'll let you start a senior year and I was like awesome and that was so that was about a about a year and a half after I started blockers I went on hormones which was uh was that no 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 was a year no 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 it was actually I started hormone I started blockers in January and it was about and it was exactly. later that year it was August of that year that I started estrogen oh, so it was right. so it was um a lag of about seven months which felt like torture at the time um but it was everything happened fairly quickly all things considered um mm. and I was on blockers already so like it's not like it's like I lost like what, seven months of time on estrogen. I've been on it for eight years now. It doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> but I wanted to be on it before college. Okay. And my mom let me start. And it's just like, and so 
That was August. We all know what happened in November of 2016. And so I, it, it just kind of hit me. I remember that night realizing that the rhetoric around, the rhetoric around everything, the rhetoric around everything I was and around so many marginalized people had gone to the point where that could happen, where we could have someone like Donald Trump elected president. I, I, I hate to mention it. I know we all hate to even think about that, the fact that that happened, but I, so within the span of a year, I went from feeling like things were getting better. Like I finally had this opportunity, this clinic was opening. I'm in the place where things are going in the right direction. HB2 happened and I'm like, okay, okay, we'll figure this out. Uh, Lambda Legal had a phenomenal lawsuit. Law is no longer in effect. Um, I was almost involved in the lawsuit, but I think they didn't want to start pushing the envelope on like minors gender care yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Which leads us into what's happening now where the first kind of domino to fall it was first the bathrooms that got overturned. Now it's going after minors getting gender affirming care because that's politically easier to Clint to the protect the children kind of rhetoric. Yeah. So potent. It's mm. so much easier for them to kind of push that as a wedge issue. Yeah. And it, I want, I want everyone who voted for that law. <laughs> I want to sit every single one of them down and I want them to admit to me, that they would have been okay with me taking my own life in the year 2016 had mm. I not been on steroid hormones. I want mm. them to tell me that that is a sacrifice they would have made yeah. because that is what's going to happen. And it's horrifying. I, I, yeah. I mean, we're, what we're seeing is a, it's comparable to, I mean, there was, you know, there's the lavender panic in the middle of last century. There was the AIDS crisis in the 1990s. These are events that destroy our community and we're seeing it happen again. Yeah. And it's just, it's, so it is beyond traumatic for me to see how things have regressed and to see how trans people have become the social wedge issue and to see how children are being attacked and left to die because of their gender identity. Yeah. And yeah. and you can tell reading these laws that the people writing them, it's the same law in every state. There's a group of people who goes around. There's this one woman who, this one woman who like transitioned and then detransitioned. And I have nothing against people yeah, who choose to detransition. I, I have nothing against anyone who chooses to detransition. That's their own journey. But I when know. people use that to attack our community, a community they once thought they were part of, it's just egregious and they are just, they're useful pawns for the far right to push this conspiracy about groomers, about trans people being an epidemic, about chemicals in the water. And like my mom said, there have always been trans people, trans Mm -hmm. adolescents with like 99.7% guarantee, if not higher, because a lot of people who choose to not transition do so because of social stigma. Yes. End up being transgender. And it's, so it's just insane to me that the politicians could justify this because they don't they don't know what they're talking about. Right. They write about right. these being experimental procedures. The first I want to ask transgender surgery Grace, happened before. Grace, give me one second. Yeah, go Grace, for it. give me one second. I want to ask your mother a question. Mm-hmm. As an internal medicine physician, as the person who sees the grown-up kids, what has been your experience in practice, not talking about your where you, the room where you're seeing patients, but just as a physician seeing adults, 
have you, has the number of adults you've seen who are trans, has that maybe somehow gone down? Are you seeing more of them with mental health challenges? What is the experience as an adult, as a doctor of adult patients? Well, so who are, who are, who's receiving the, 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 the this, these kids are growing up or not growing up. I don't, I don't know. Oh my God. So, so, so I am so fortunate that I'm a family medicine physician. So I get to take care of kids and teenagers and adults. So uh, yeah, so I get to see the continuum, but um, so what I will say, um, and of course, back when I was in my rural hometown practicing medicine, what I experienced was um, a lot of my um, gay and lesbian patients not coming out because they knew they would be ostracized from their families. And multiple of those patients had had multiple suicide attempts. So I did not know anything about gender fluidity and transgender, but I had multiple LGBT, I had gay and lesbian patients who had horrible um mental health crises because they knew based upon their family's belief system, or they, they thought, they thought they would be ostracized if they came out. So fast forward, uh, here we are in a different time and I'm in a different place. I live in Raleigh. Uh, I work in a clinic that's primary care, but mostly I see kind of older teenagers into adulthood. I don't have a lot of kids, but I have a lot of college students. And what I see I don't have a lot. I have several transgender adult patients, but they're and they are all mortified. They are hurting, even though these laws aren't applying to them. So they are in pain because they see they know they're next and they see what's being done. And so they're terrified about what's happening and how this trans community is being treated. But I have a ton of college students who have confided in me, but they're not open to their families. And and, I, and when I say a ton, of course, it's it's basically the percentages. I mean, honestly, I swear you, I can look at my patient panel. I can multiply by a certain decimal. And that's the number of transgender patients I have. So it's truly like a percentage, really. But those are the people that stick with me and like hang in my heart and soul. Um, and what I see is they're hurting and they're more fearful. And Grace, at least when she came out, all she had to fear was the, whether her family would accept her, whether her friends or community would accept her. And now there's such a, a political divide that it's made this polarizing issue in the whole country that is just unnecessary. This polarization is not necessary right now. Necessary. We are not this, was, this was a social issue and I watched myself be... become a political issue. Yeah. 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 I, I, I won't I even say it was it was never even a social issue, so to say it was a personal issue. Personal. It should remain, personal. It should remain personal. personal. I mean, we just talked about the fact before we went live that a, a, a mother of nine oh, was yeah. shot to death in California on Friday. On Friday in California. We had somebody join us from California today. In California, because she had, a, she had a pride mm -hmm. flag outside her clothing store. This is what, this woman would have been alive today if not for that. I mean, obviously the societal ills is so much, and this is why the show must go on. This is why yeah. I hate that we have come to the end, but you know what? All good things must come to an end. Obviously, there's more to be said. There's so much more. I want to just say thank you to Grace, and, and I'm so sorry that this is happening. I, honestly, I don't know what to say. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. 
maybe the only good thing, if at all, is that you're an adult. So as far as you, Grace, is concerned. But they're coming for doctors in Texas. They're, mm -hmm. they're, not, even, they're not even allowing doctors to practice medicine. It's like, it's like, oh my God, when are they going to stop? And yeah. so if you can hear my voice and yeah. if you can hear Grace and you can hear Vicky, I want you to know that parents do not groom their kids. Parents need support and our kids also need support. And the more of us that start speaking up about it, speaking out about it, mm -hmm. the better. And so Vicky, you go first. How can people find you or maybe follow you or maybe see you as a as a, an affirming physician, and then of course, Grace, how can people find you and maybe follow your blog and support mm -hmm. you? We're just kind of going that and then we'll just- Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. That's how I found Dr. Lulu. So I'm Vicki Fowler. I live in Raleigh. Um, I, you know, I work in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and there are wonderful supportive physicians within the organization I work with and in multiple other organizations. So we are here, and what we really need, what we really need, if you're a parent or you know a parent and they have an adolescent in North Carolina that is not going to be allowed to see the gender clinic, either at UNC or Duke, and they have been told they can't be seen, we need them to help us and I can get them in touch. We can get them in touch with Lambda Legal so we can get this legislation overturned by a judge. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do. We can get, yes. this has happened all over the country. A judge who hears a case can overturn this horrible, evil legislation that is preventing the care of adolescents like Grace um, mm -hmm. who need this help and support. Yeah. Lambda Legal. So y'all heard it first from here. Mm -hmm. Lambda Legal in North Carolina. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Vicky, for going there because there's so many faces. I mean, this, this is an ongoing conversation and hopefully Vicky and Grace will consider coming back and we can do a, a foursome. Vicky, Grace, Kim, and Matthew. That would be so amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go at it. But um, Grace, you were going to say something. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say uh, I'm Grace Ingledew, also on LinkedIn. Um, I am in Chapel Hill. I think I might be feeling Grace Ingledew on LinkedIn, though. So, um, and I was going to say the thing about Lambda Legal. You can reach out to my mom. You can reach out to me. We know the lawyer at Lambda Legal. She fought HB2, and she's fighting this one. And my community is very, very afraid right now. But we are going to win. Like, we're going to win this thing. I, I'm afraid of how long it might take. But I know that in the end, every time people have tried to get rid of trans people, it doesn't work because we'll always, always be here. <laughs> and I have the utmost confidence that there are people fighting for us and we are fighting for ourselves and we are going to win. Amen. Hey, Dr. Amen. Lulu. Yay, yes. Dr. Lulu. Thank you so much. And Kim says this is, is just the beginning. Our next <laughs> generation will change the world. Amen to that. Amen to that, Kim. Amen to that. And um, Tom says, love you, Grace, your Uncle Tom. Oh, my God. So beautiful. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. So the show airs every Sunday at 6 p.m. Central. I know Vicky has her entire Appalachian family watching us today, but we need y'all to come back next week. Uh, it won't be Vicky. And then again, it might be Vicky, but I'll let y'all know today, Vicky, if, when I can get Vicky and Kim, you. Matt, and Grace together, that will be an amazing 
conversation because we need to keep talking about this thing. It's a thing. It's not going to go away. Vicky, thank you for tossing out the numbers out there. One to three percent of the, actually one to three percent of the population are intersex as well. I don't know if you know that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know that because of my TED talk, but I, you know, I did the yeah. math on that, uh, the science yeah. of research on that. But apparently, it's the same with trans people, and that's why they are not minorities. Because when you put all the minorities minorities together, we become a majority. <laughs> a majority. They're not minorities anymore. So for those of you who who are out there thinking minorities, we're not minorities. Um, D Nock says love and support. You. I love D Nock. She's our she's our cousin from Virginia. Hi, Dina from Virginia. Deanna, <laughs> she's wonderful. Thank you all so much yeah. for coming. My name is Dr. Lulu. Join me tomorrow night if you can. Usually I write solo on Monday night. I talk about, I make a case for supporting parents or queer kids at the workplace. I make a case because I have had a personal experience of ostracization from my family. And I know that I cannot be alone in that department. And so join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Central for something similar, but not quite the same. We're talking about the workplace and things that you can do to create a safe space for parents, really pretty much everyone, because you never know who's next, whose child is going to be next. And therefore, we teach you ways to create safe spaces for people at the workplace who are queer, minority, marginalized, I mean, all of the words. Um, thank you so much, Grace, one more time for coming today. This has been just amazing. I know we didn't touch one quarter, but you know, <laughs> at least we started. So Grace and, and um, I said, Kim, Vicky, please say yes to coming back. Of course. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I, it's a great conversation and I'm always happy to advocate for my, my community, my people, so. And who is Hard Greenlee? Is that is that from your is that your family? Grace Till. Yeah, he's our he's our uh, he's my dad's best friend from high school. Uh, he Uncle lives in California. Hod. He's on the other side of the country. Yeah. Thank you, not, Uncle Hod. He's Uncle Hod, not technically related to us, but he's Uncle Hod, anyways. <laughs> Thank you, Hod. Thank you, Uncle Hod. Thank you all so much for. But this is what family. This is this is a true sense of family. And if you can hear my voice and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please subscribe on your way out. So you, can get, <laughs> so you can get it delivered to your inbox um, every week. But thank you all so much. Grace, you have been an amazing human being. Vicky, I love you. You know that. Kim, D-Nox, Tom, Pod, uh, everyone, everyone, everyone. Um, let me go as far as Zoe. And then we had um, Susan. Everyone, please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and support us so we can have more people. And then share this video. If you can hear my voice today, share this video with one person at least. You never know whose life you might save. So my name is Dr. Lulu, and I come at y'all every week. And if you need anyone who does the work that I do, which is coaching parents, speaking up about queerness, speaking up about queer kids, speaking up about queer trans kids, and especially supporting parents at the workplace. Because this is so, it's so critical because parents are broken. We don't know what we don't know. And all the support we can get will eventually, you know, ripple into our children. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on now. So it's 706, <laughs> it has to end. Thank you all so much for coming. Kim and Grace. Thank Amazing. You. Thank you. Bye, -bye. Bye, Thank you. Bye everyone. Bye. 
another episode in the bags yes this is dr lulu thank you so much for listening to another episode of moms for trans kids podcast we hope you learned at least one new thing today that will make you that much more of a badass ally don't forget to give us a subscribe and leave an honest review and oh tell one person about us But even if you don't, we love you anyway. So until next time, keep loving and accepting yourself and keep affirming and supporting your queer kiddos. Toodles! Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you check out our Facebook community with parents just like you who are affirming and loving and supporting each other and holding each other accountable to do right by our kids. It's called Accepting affirming and supporting your LGBTQ plus children. I know it's a mouthful, but go ahead and type it in. If you're a business or an organization, maybe a hospital system that trains residents, or maybe just a doctor's office, my Ally Bridge Connection program was designed just for you to help you create safe spaces for employee parents because, you know, we got to support the parents and also to help you become allies in white coats for your LGBTQ plus patients. Lastly, connect with us on social media. For me, Dr. Lulu, it will be at Dr. Lulu Talk Radio on IG and YouTube. And on Facebook, I am at Mama Trishan, M-O-M-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-N. But if you go to LinkedIn and type in Dr. Dr. Lulu, my name will pop right up. All right, folks, until next time, if you'd like to send us a message or maybe you have comments or you want to suggest someone that you think would be a good guest for the show, go to momsfortranskids at gmail.com and leave us an email. All right. Bye.